I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Saturday, March 12th, 2022, and this is episode 162 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So it's been an interesting morning. This week's best thing is that I was on vacation this week. We were in the Florida Keys on Isla Mirada from Monday to Friday. So uh, we got back yesterday evening. We were able to pick up the dogs because their boarding location has late hours on Friday, but the cats are in a different boarding place. So I, first of all, I wake up and I check the weather because I'm. it's been 80 degrees in Florida the past week. And then I look out the window and I see it's snowing. <laughs> I had no idea it was going to snow. I did not check the weather yesterday, except to see that last night when we got into the airport, it was like 50 degrees. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't bring a coat, but my sweatshirt's enough. I didn't look any further than that. So I want to do a post like how it started, 80 degrees on the beach, how it's going snow. It's not really sticking, which is nice, no, no shoveling at the moment, but it's a, it's a good inch, inch and a half on, on the deck. So I have to go pick up the cats this morning. I wake up early. And pick up the cats. Actually, they, they're able to get them in their carrier. No problem. On the drive home, it's still snowing pretty heavily and I don't drive in the snow a lot. And I have, there, there is an odor. And I was like, are they gassy? And then it persists. And I was like, oh no. And I know it's Sterling. So I have two cats, Sterling and Stokely. And Sterling is the one with digestive issues. So it's very cold. I have to open the windows because he has pooped in his carrier. I come in hot into the garage. I pick it up. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's Sterling, but I don't know who. I run in the house and I'm yelling, we have a situation. My husband's upstairs. He's still in the bed, I think. I go into the bathroom. I dump them both in the tub and then I let them out of the carrier so I can see which one pooped. Of course, it was Sterling. So then we have to go through the whole thing of cleaning them up. Now, Sterling is 11, I think. I believe we adopted him in 2011 or 2010 and he was a baby. 11 or 12 years old. First bath he's ever had. I have been loath to ever bathe a cat, but Sterling in particular is very, very grumpy. Let's call it grumpy. His resting bitch face is next level. And both of us have scars all over us from Sterling. It's like, why, why are cats? Why do we have cats? Why do we love cats? They're great, but they are sometimes painful. Luckily, on my husband's timeline this morning, he had come across a video of um, a shelter bathing kittens. And he used to volunteer at the Humane Society when he was doing his medical residency, because being around animals is very calming, even crazy ones. So he's bathed kittens before. But an 11-year-old angry cat? I honestly wanted no parts of this, but I had to be there for moral support. So I'm hosing down the carrier. I'm like getting the enzymes. I'm trying to start with that situation while my husband is bathing our cat. And honestly, he did a great job. Sterling took it much better than I thought. I mean, he, we did it in the sink in the bathroom and just filled it up with warm water and Dawn dish soap because it's very, it's very like benign. There's no smells or uh, extra things in it that might irritate his skin. And bathed him and now he's running around looking like a weird wet scarecrow. His emotions, he seems to be in much better spirits. Um He's a nervous cat, I think, too, and he's never pooped in his carrier before. He's vomited in the carrier. <laughs> Why are cats? Why do we love them? This is the theme of the day. So yeah, it's been a very eventful morning, but this week's best thing is still the vacation with a runner-up. So we saw 
the new movie, The Batman, before we left. We saw it again in Florida. I love it. I now my husband had to drag me kicking and screaming to this movie because I was like, I don't want a grim, dark Batman. I don't want anything grittier than the Nolan movies. This looks depressing. It looks like a downer. It looks very just sad and gross and like I was not here for it. He wanted to see it that Friday night and the only showing available was like 1030. And I'm like, absolutely not. I'm not staying up till 1am to watch this terrible movie that I'm going to hate and you're going to fall asleep. So we saw it Saturday morning (laughs) and then we saw it again, like I said. And I think it's my favorite superhero movie. And I think it's because it's not really a superhero movie. Like if you haven't seen it, it is I heard someone describe it like the Christopher Nolan Batman were grounded, like very like realistic. And someone said, this one is bolted to the ground. Like it is even more grounded. It is just basically the movie Seven with a guy instead of Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, you just have a, a billionaire in a, in a bat <laughs> costume. But the reason why I liked it so much is because it's less about like superhero stuff and more about a character. It's more about Batman. He's very rarely Bruce Wayne. In this movie, Bruce Wayne is barely even a person. Like he's playing this, you know, very traumatized person from his parents dying at a young age. And they just, they're able to, in the script, which I loved, the performances were all great for the most part. I mean, I really liked Robert Pattinson in this and I'm not a fan of his in any way, but I think he did a great job. I love Zoe Kravitz in this. I feel like Jeffrey Wright was woefully underused. Like for such a caliber of actor, he just didn't have anything to do. But he's always a delight. (laughs) I really loved the script. And I loved that it was about a person. And it was about a character arc. It was about the change. And everything was so tightly woven, even in a three-hour movie. I wasn't bored. I didn't feel the time, personally. And even the third act, which I know a lot of people have issues with that I've seen, it worked for me. Like, I would see it again. And I I watch all the comic book movies and, you know, sometimes I watch them again. Like, you know, before the, the latest Spider-Man came out, I watched the first, well, the second one because I, I didn't re- I didn't re-watch the first one. But, you know, in that situation where I'm like, I want to remember if, I, if they're really closely tied in and I need to remember what happened. But it's not like I'm watching it and being inspired by it. But I felt creatively inspired by this Batman movie. And I've never said that before about any superhero movie. And I really, I loved um, Black Panther. I really liked um, Endgame. I liked the latest Spider-Man. I enjoy many of them, but I'm not like creatively inspired by them. I mean, I, I guess you could say with um, Black Panther, there were definitely inspiration. There was the, the set design, the world that he brought to life, the Killmonger's character as a villain. You know, there were a lot of wonderful things about that movie. And I, and I do love Black Panther. I'm really looking forward to the second one to see how he overcomes Chad's death, you know? But um, maybe it's just where I am in my life or where I am in the stories that I'm about to be writing. I'm just mining this one for inspiration and it's just feeding me in a way that I didn't expect. It's really surprising and just, I'm grateful for it. So I I texted my friends, you have to watch this movie. I, you probably don't want to see it if you're anything like me, but go. I think you'll be happy that you went. On the other hand, my brother hated it. And we were having this conversation like, what didn't you like? And he was like, this wasn't for me. Like. I'm standing this movie and my brother was like, eh. 
So maybe you won't like it, but I adored it. It's in my heart in a way that I never would have thought. In publishing news, we're rolling towards the release of Savage City. Um, I announced on social media the pre-order campaign, or maybe I announced it on my newsletter. I'm not sure where I am. I'm a little bit, I'm being a little scattershot. I did send a newsletter while I was on vacation talking about the pre-order giveaway. The audiobook is complete. I've heard a clip. There's a clip on SoundCloud. I haven't heard the whole thing yet. I'm still waiting to, to get that, but it's on NetGalley. So the ebook and the audiobook are currently on NetGalley till the end of March. So yeah, pre-orders, audiobooks, lots of things happening. I'll be ordering the swag. So I'm printing out posters of the cover art and I'm going to order those hopefully today. I meant to do it while I was on vacation. I had all these lofty goals about things I was going to do while I was on vacation, which of course is ridiculous. Like when do I ever do that much? But the point of this vacation was not to like go and do things. Like usually we'll go and we'll do tours and we'll hike and we'll, I just wanted to sit on the beach and relax and read and be warm. And in large part, that's what we did. We did a few other things, but so I was like, oh, there'll be time. I'll, you know, I'll have time to do things. And I was so busy relaxing and being warm that I did not do these things. So back on the grind. But it was a wonderful vacation and I was very relaxed. I don't know if I said that or not. So busy thinking about this cat situation. Anyway, audiobook. Um, I got the, right before we left, I got the ARCs, the advanced reader copies for the Monsters We Defy. I did an Instagram video. Um, they came out so great. I mean, they're ARCs, but it's just great seeing it in person. It's like a big book. It's a six by nine book. It um, has got the illustrations for the chapters and the interludes inside. It's got a gigantic picture of my face on the back cover, which I don't know why it needs to be so big. No one told me they were doing that. <laughs> and it also has a an author note, an author letter. So the book has an author note at the end because I was inspired by people like Beverly Jenkins who put their research notes in the back of the book. But also the ARCs have a special author letter on the inside cover. It has my signature and it's really cool. I don't know if the real books will have that or not. And the blurbs have started coming in from other authors. So that's exciting to see people reacting to it. Yeah, so I've got all kinds of book things happening. Not any writing happening <laughs> or plotting, which I really needed to do this week. And in my mind, I was like, oh, it's not going to be a problem. If I can sit on the beach and read, I can sit on the beach and plot. And I barely even read. Like I was reading a little bit. I listened to an audiobook. But um, yeah, the best laid plans. So I will get some work done this weekend on the plotting. I might change my strategy. I was thinking this morning as I was cleaning up poop. <laughs> no, I was thinking this morning as I was driving home, actually, that um, maybe I will start with Orbit Book 2. Instead of fast drafting Savage City book two for the next two weeks. I don't know. I'm, I'm in flux right now. I'm thinking about what the best thing is because I'm not having not plotted for this week. I don't feel like I'm ready to start fast drafting, but I don't know what I'm ready to do. So I'll take the weekend and do some work and try to figure it out. And then I will let you know what I decide. And finally, yesterday I saw people talking on Twitter about publishing hemorrhaging editors in one day in among several publishing houses, including Orbit. Like a, there are a bunch of announcements, tweets about various editors who were leaving publishing, not just leaving the house, but just leaving publishing in general. Um, I saw something, just someone talking about how bad the conditions are for junior people, like junior editors or assistants, 
how badly they're treated, how badly they get paid, and they have to live in New York, pre-pandemic at least. I wonder if if it's going to move more towards more of a distributed model, like the way agents can, don't have to be in New York anymore. My agency is based in Denver. There's a lot of agencies based all over the country. So maybe more editors can be in different places now that they've realized they can work remotely. I don't know. Maybe that will help retain people. But it does seem to be like a brain drain. And like new, fresh talent is not being cultivated. It's not being developed in the way that we would want. So when the existing executives, you know, and higher level editors leave, who is going to replace them? And one of the editors mentioned that, like, what will books be then? And it's a real problem. Like, I know many authors who have lost editors. It's called being orphaned. I haven't been orphaned as of yet, knock on wood. I really enjoy working with my editor. And if I was, you know, moved to someone else, it would be difficult, I think. You know, someone who didn't choose you, who didn't acquire you. It's It would be a different situation. And I don't know, like as an author, you know, I saw authors tweeting about what can we do to help? Is there anything that we can do? And someone who had worked in the industry was like, well, write kind of um, reviews of people that you've worked with on your team, write them positive like letters, not like letters of recommendation. I have to go see if I can find the tweet and see the exact term that was used, but just to people higher up to say, hey, this person's doing a great job, you know, promote them. That's kind of the theory behind it. Most authors don't know the people on their team. Like I have contact generally with my editor and my publicist and maybe sometimes the marketing person. As of yet, I haven't, you know, I had an initial call with Orbit and sort of met everybody at Orbit, but I haven't met other people on my team. And someone was like, well, that's by design. So you need to ask, you know, who else is working on this and how can I support them? And that's something that um, I think is probably good to do. It's going to (laughs) take... Me being an introvert, like, oh, I want to write nice letters to everybody, which I I don't mind doing, but like, it's kind of scary to think about asking, who are these people that are doing things and how can I help, you know, support them in whatever way is possible for me as an author? I think it's it's a worthy conversation to have. And um, yeah, I, I know it's a difficult job. I know it's long hours. And the people that do it, do it because they love it, because they love books and reading. Just like being an author is a difficult job. And the publishing industry is is hard on everybody. It's hard on authors. It's hard on editors and assistants and everyone else that I don't even know about who work there and do things. Publicists, I'm sure. And I'm sure the same can be said about many industries. Like, you know, they just had that. They just staved off that strike for IATSE, the... um, film workers, having been on a a few film sets, (laughs) I know how difficult that is. Even not even working, like I have never worked on a professional film set. I've worked on student and independent films, but being on set with my brother and watching what goes on on professional TV and film sets is uh, just brings me back to those days when I was working on indie films and student films and why I don't do that, why that was not my profession that I actually chose to focus on. It's hard, you know, making the things that people love. There's so much that goes into it that when you are a consumer of the end product, you don't know about. And um, yeah, just give a thought for the people who are dealing with that stuff. So that's it for me for this week. Um, My goals for the coming week, write, plot, do whatever I have to do to probably not much writing. I don't know. I was so confident about my plan to just jump into the fast draft but that had assumed I was going to spend the week plotting, which I didn't. So push everything a week back, which 
the timeline is going to start getting to me. But I am, I'm relaxed. I'm, <laughs> I felt the stress drain away and I don't want to bring it back. So I will figure out what I'm going to do. I will come to my writing session on Monday morning and hopefully with some kind of plan in mind and I will get work done. It's just what exactly that work will be. I have yet to decide, but I hope that you have a wonderful week and I will talk to you next week for episode show notes and to sign up for the footnotes newsletter uh, to get the show notes in your inbox. Go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. You can email me at podcast at lpenelope.com. And I would really appreciate a rating or review to help support the show. My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. More fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts.